Well, greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, to uh, hear the Word of God, endeavoring to hide it in our heart. Um, I need to apply more diligence. But it is a good exercise for us to hide it in our heart that we might have it when we need it. Well, this morning for a message, I'd invite you to turn with me to the book of Daniel in chapter 1. In seeking the Lord and what I should be teaching and preaching, the Lord led me to the book of Daniel, and this, Lord willing, will be the first in the series as we study the book of Daniel. I don't know exactly how many messages that will be. Uh, Quite a few of them will take one chapter at a time. Because it seems to uh, naturally fall into those divisions as far as their subject. And why is it that we would be studying the book of Daniel? Well, there are several reasons for it. But Daniel is primarily a prophetic book speaking about the end times, or in the case of uh, Daniel's day back then, he also foretold things that were to come, uh, what in our, from our perspective would have been in the near future, and in the years to come, even uh, touching down through the millenniums. But much of what Daniel had to say refers to the end of time. It specifically mentions that at the end of days and in the latter times. Those are phrases that are found in the book of Daniel. So here we are today in the latter times and in the last days. I believe it's evident from the scripture that we are living in those end times of which Daniel was speaking. And I think we have yet more to unfold before us as the days and years go by. So I'd like to just look at the book of Daniel and and do a study in that book um, because not only was the teachings that Daniel received or the the visions and revelations and things to come. But through that, Daniel also stands as an example of what we should be in the end times. And it's interesting that some prominent stories that we have heard from our youth are taken from the book of Daniel. 
where men of faith do exploits. That was actually a term that is found in Daniel's teaching where he says those that know their God shall do exploits. And that's specifically referring to the end times, not necessarily to his day. But when we read the book of Daniel, we see that those who did know their God did exploits. There was the three Hebrew uh, men that were cast into the fiery furnace and survived. There was Daniel thrown into the lion's den, and he survived because he knew God. We have here in the first chapter, we have the story of how Daniel purposed that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And there was... Uh, the result then was that he was shown to be wiser and better than those of his companions or of all the wise men and counselors. He also had several others with him that likewise purposed in their heart to not defile themselves with the king's meat. You have the, the story of the image that... Um, that Nebuchadnezzar saw in a vision and didn't know, or he asked his wise men to tell him what the vision was. It was um, gone from him and he wanted to know. So Daniel is an important book in the scriptures. Jesus quoted from it several times. He used it when he was before the Sanhedrin and was on trial there, and they asked him who he was. And he quoted from the book of Daniel to tell them who he was. When he had his teaching uh, to his disciples about what is to happen in the end times and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and then he referred in that message, he spoke about the prophet Daniel. When you see that, that was spoken of by the prophet Daniel. So this is a book that applies to our day. And it's something we should be well versed in. Before we actually read this first portion, I would like to emphasize one aspect of Daniel's life, and that was that he knew the word of God and he treasured it and he sought after it. And this isn't necessarily just his dreams and visions. It wasn't that he was necessarily seeking to know things that no one else knew. But Daniel was one who studied the scriptures. And I'd like if you have... Just turn a few pages over to see here. It's um, in chapter nine, the first few verses there. It says, "In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans." 
In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And then he goes on to his prayer. But what I want to note here is that Daniel was a man of understanding and one of the reasons was he sought the word of God and he sought to understand what God is saying. It says here, I, under, I Daniel, understood by books. It doesn't really explain what it means by books, but I believe he would have had the book of Jeremiah as one of his references. Now for context, Daniel would have been a contemporary of Jeremiah's, although probably a good bit younger than Jeremiah, in that Jeremiah was the prophet who was prophesying in the days prior to them being carried away captive to Babylon. In fact, Jeremiah had a lot to say to the people, warning them of their sin and calling them to repentance, but saying that the judgment of the Lord is coming, the Babylonians are going to come and carry us away captive into Babylon, and don't resist them because the the king is going to come, he's going to overthrow Jerusalem, and you'll be carried away captive for 70 years in the land of Babylon. And at the end of 70 years, you will be brought back again to this land. Well, the people thought that Jeremiah is a traitor. He's speaking evil to the people. And... In that day, the king and the people around him, they wanted to resist the king of Babylon. He's the enemy. We're God's people. We, you know, we're not going to be carried away captive. But Jeremiah said, no, this is the word of the Lord. Well, they didn't like Jeremiah's word, and they threw him in the dungeon and all those things. They thought to kill him, but God spared his life. And Daniel would have been a youth growing up in those years. And it seems, according to this, that um, that he would have been of the king's seed. Meaning he may have been among the princes and would have probably known pretty much what was going on in the kingdom and what the king was hearing and what the prophets were saying and what was coming ahead of them that they were they were looking at uh, at some pretty dire years ahead of them does that sound like anything we hear today about dire consequences and things coming our way well, that was Daniel's reality in his growing up years, in his youth. 
But it seems that Daniel set his heart to know God and to understand what God is saying. So these many years later that we read there where he understood by the books that the 70 years were about to be accomplished, that would have been many, many years later. But Daniel is still looking at the books. He's still reading what Jeremiah had to say and what, what the Word of God had to say for his people. So let's read here in chapter 1 of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. 
Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, that's an amazing story. This story takes place at the beginning of his time in Babylon. And it ends, or the, the last verse that we read, and Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now that was 70 years away, or nearly so. This may have been up to three years, it seems like the, um, that it was at the end of three years that they came before King Nebuchadnezzar. So this takes place at the very beginning of Daniel's 70 years in captivity there in Babylon. Now picture what Daniel would have faced here. He was of the children of he was of the house of Judah which was the, the ruling uh, tribe certain of the children of Israel of the king's seed and of the princes and they were taken to Babylon now just picture yourself as a young man. You live here, you have your, you've grown up here, this is the place you know, and you've had your uh, education, and you've learned some things, and you have your future. You're thinking about uh, maybe a young lady that has caught your eye, and you might have a job, and you have plans, and and you've got your stuff, and... Suddenly here comes the whatever, the Mexicans or the Chinese or you put in whatever other thing and people you think are not quite like us and they come in there and they take everything as they wish. They just clean the place out and you're carried away to another land and suddenly everything you knew is just turned upside down. Your future, your plans, your hopes, the stuff you had and the things you were building and using, that, that's all gone. And now you're a slave in a faraway country. What do you do? And in today's uh, 
self-absorbed culture and even its influence on the churches, you would probably say that such a person would be just an emotional basket case. Everything is lost. How will he ever recover? But that's not how it reads in the scripture about Daniel, Shadrach, or the, in their Hebrew names, Hananiah, um, Mishael, and Azariah. So somewhere they had a fear of God and they, as it says here, Daniel purposed in his heart. And I think that's very key in this particular passage here and what took place here is that Daniel purposed in his heart. And I would urge all of you, young and old, to take some of that same purpose in your heart because that's what you're going to need in these last days. Purpose in your heart. Not some external force that requires you to some kind of duty, but a purpose in your heart that you will do what is pleasing to the Lord. Even in a far-off country, even in a strange place in a strange land, even if everything is taken away from me, I still have in my heart God's Word and that purpose that I am going to serve the Lord where I am. We could compare that to a choice to follow God, a new birth experience, if you will. And there's certainly parallels here. But beyond just that entrance into the kingdom of God, Daniel had a purpose in his heart. He, he purposed in his heart. It wasn't that there was some penalty hanging over his head if he didn't comply. He wanted to do what God asked of him to do. And that is so vital for us to serve the Lord in our day. A purpose in the heart. So here he is, along with some of his friends who it seems were very much of the same heart and mind that he was. These three that are named. There was probably many more. And besides these few that were here with the king, there would have been many others of what may have been thought of as the common people, not of the princes or of the rulers, but the common people who had also been carried away captive into Babylon. And we don't read very much about them in the book of Daniel at least, but there were many thousands that had been carried away captive. We read more about them when they came back then. It lists families and gives names and so on, but, but here there's not many named. But it says here that they were well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. 
So they were needing to learn another language. That takes some work and some effort. And it's easier when you're young than when you're old. And so these young men taken to Babylon and they were taught in the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now maybe as you read over that verse, you're a young person here and you think to yourself, well, I'm not smart like Daniel was. Um, You know, Daniel had special skills and Daniel had this or that advantage. Well, God gives different gifts. But one thing we want to note as we study through the book of Daniel is, one, Daniel was not a proud person. He was very humble. Daniel also freely acknowledged multiple times that he didn't have any special favor and that it wasn't any wisdom of his own, but that it was revealed to him by God. He received this as a gift from God, and it seems he was always very mindful of that, and he was not puffed up. He was rather humble, and in that humility, he also sought to improve and learn more. He set his heart to know God. He purposed in his heart that he would not do things that were not pleasing to the Lord. And as he gave himself to those foundational things, he grew. He grew in wisdom. He learned knowledge and understanding. And God gave him, it says here, uh, which, which verse was it here? Verse 17, Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And it seems that was a special gift that God gave to Daniel, as we will find later in a number of cases where he received visions and dreams and understood things, and he even received visions and things that he couldn't understand and that troubled him greatly because he couldn't understand what it was about. But he wrote it down, and he, he recorded it for the future generations. But I see Daniel as a good example of a man who, in spite of his difficulties and his sadness in having his life so disrupted, he still purposed in his heart to serve God and to set his heart to know God. So now let's consider more specifically what it was here that was at issue in this matter of the king's meat and of the wine which the king drank. Now Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Now, how did Daniel come to that understanding or knowledge? What was it about the king's meat that Daniel felt would defile him? Well, if we consider that Daniel was a man who knew the word of God, 
There was actually a portion that he could have read and probably did that gave him some specific instruction on what he should do in a case like this. And we find that in Proverbs chapter 23. So I'd like for you to turn there. We're going to look at several other passages of Scripture, but this is one. And think of this as a passage that Daniel would have had access to. This was written long before. It was part of the Proverbs that Solomon wrote. And so Daniel would have had access to Psalms, to Proverbs, and it is quite likely, as he was in the king's house, that he would have had access to the scriptures and the writings, and it seems quite evident that he even had access to it in Babylon. But here is a passage. Let's read the first eight verses of Proverbs 23. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler... Consider diligently what is put before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven." Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Now, what is this passage saying? Well, think of this as we go to Daniel. So this is the scripture that Daniel had access to. Here's this Proverbs. It says that when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Well, wait a minute. Isn't Daniel sitting in the king's house? Isn't he eating the king's meat? So maybe this portion applies to Daniel's situation. You see how practical the word of God is? It just speaks to the very issue. Now, it's a little bit obscure here in Daniel as we read this, but in verse 5 it says, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. And I looked up that word meat in the Strong's Concordance, and it literally means dainties, a portion of meat. And then it says, and of the wine which he drank, and so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof thou might, they might stand before the king. Now, so Daniel purposed that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Well, now we have that word dainties. 
because that's what it literally means there about the portion of the king's meat. Now let's go back to Proverbs here where it says that you are to put a knife to your throat if thou be a man given to appetite. And he's using some fairly graphic uh, figures of speech here. Putting a knife to your throat, that's uh, pretty, pretty serious. And he's is, is, is using it as a figure of speech, a picture that be careful what you're doing here. And then it says... Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. And that word deceitful there is that of lying. It's, it's, it's a falsehood. It's, it's deceitful. And then in verse 5, wilt thou... No, I'm sorry, verse 4. Labor not to be rich. Okay, we're still in context here. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. So the, now he's moving into some substance of what we're talking about here when he's talking about consider what is set before thee. And that word consider diligently means to discern. Exercise some discernment about what's set before you. And don't be desirous of the dainties of the king's meat. And then he talks about riches. Will you set your eyes upon riches and will you set thine eyes upon that which is not? In other words, that which doesn't amount to anything really that doesn't have value that that part that's deceitful and then verse 6 eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye that evil eye has to do with covetousness one who is uh, given into the lusts of the flesh covetousness Neither desire thou his dainty meats. There's that word again, dainty. Dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. In other words, it's not for your welfare that is of his concern. He doesn't really care for your soul. His heart is not with thee. And then it says, The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. So here's Daniel in the king's house and he's given a portion of the king's meat and of the wine and these words from Proverbs keep ringing through his ears. Be not desirous of his dainties that the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up? Really? I mean, can you picture here Daniel wrestling with these, these proverbs here and where he finds himself? And there needs to be some application here. Now, 
to understand a bit better from Daniel here, it says in verse 10 that after Daniel had requested that they, uh, that they have a change of diet, he says here, the prince of the eunuchs responded by saying that I fear my lord the king. And he said, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Now that phrase, worse liking, that actually means to have a downcast countenance or to be sad, to, to even to be angry or upset. So what did that have to do with eating dainties? Well, I take from it that what the eunuch was concerned about here and what he thought the king would be concerned about is that he wanted these men to be of cheerfulness. He wanted them to be happy. He wanted them to be productive. He didn't want them to be cast down. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it was a rather sad time, wasn't it, for Daniel and the men? I don't know why the king thought that they wouldn't be cast down, because surely they would be, given any natural uh, feelings and sentiments. But I see a picture here of the king offering them his dainties, his meat and his wine, so that they would be cheerful and happy. That's what makes men happy. And that's what they find their pleasure in. And so that's what he wanted them to eat. And so here the prince of the eunuchs is afraid that if they don't have these pleasures, these men are going to be dissatisfied and they're going to be sad and they're going to be unhappy. So at issue here, was not just the issue of eating pulse rather than meat. It's not an issue between lentil burgers and steak. It's not that one should be a vegetarian and not eat meat. There's much more implied here than these simple things. Now that could be a very small portion that could be considered as far as eating healthy vegetables instead of just a lot of meat or wine. But Daniel saw, by what he read in Proverbs, that there's much, much more to this than just lentils versus steak. It had to do with becoming part of this system. It had to do with living up with pleasure and comfort and ease. It had to do with setting your heart on these things of riches, of pleasures. And that is what Daniel purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Now to solidify that in our minds, let's turn to another passage that was written many, many years later, Revelation chapter 18.
Revelation 18, where the fall of Babylon is spoken of. And remember, Daniel finds himself in Babylon. And in spite of it being a very sad and difficult time for him, he actually finds himself in the king's palace and surrounded by all kinds of sumptuous living. Strange as that may seem. But here in Revelation 18 it says, verse 2, And he cried mightily with his strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. And verse 7, How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. Lived deliciously. Note that phrase. But farther down it talks about... uh, Verse 10, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, a great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood, and all manner vessels of ivory, and all manner vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men, and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Did you catch that word dainty? All things that were dainty and goodly were departed from thee. So this is what Babylon represents. Babylon lived deliciously. Lived after the lusts And had all these things, 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 things. Pleasures, comforts. All the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. They shall make themselves wings and fly away. Why set your heart on that which is not? Was what what he said in Proverbs. Now, do you see the picture that Daniel was facing here? As I said before, it was far more than just 
lentils versus steak. It had to do with how I live and my consumption of pleasures and of And of all the things that a man might desire after to see and to comfort himself and to be, to find pleasure and satisfaction. It seems that's what the king wanted from them was a very satisfied life, full of pleasure, full of all these dainties that the king had to offer. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with these things. He had decided that there's something more to be sought for and to live after than to just settle in here and become a part of this system. And the title of my message today I'm now giving to you toward the end here. In Babylon, but not of Babylon. And you will surely recognize that as the turn on Jesus' words where he said, in this world, but not of the world. And that is truly what Daniel exemplifies here in this passage, is that he was in Babylon but he was not of Babylon. Daniel believed in two kingdoms. He believed that there was a kingdom to be lived for and sought after, and that was what he was a part of. And he found himself in the kingdom of this world, but he purposed in his heart that he was not going to be a part of this kingdom. Now, as you read through the book of Daniel, you find that he was very useful. He worked in this world. He worked and labored to show himself an example and to be faithful in what was entrusted to his care and all those things. He found himself in this world. But you also see very clearly that he was set apart from this world. He was in Babylon, but he purposed that the spirit of Babylon, that spirit that says all these things my soul lusts after, all the pleasures, all these things, that's it's not where I'm going. So we can be like Daniel today. We can choose which kingdom we're going to be a part of. And we can set our heart to not entangle ourselves with this kingdom because we seek one to come. And as we look at the whole story of Daniel, we see this happened early on. This was before the fiery furnace. This was before the den of lions. This was early. He set his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. 
And it paid great dividends in Daniel's life. I see it as a firm foundation for that later time when the when the the uh, rule was written and read that you should not worship any other or pray to any other god for 30 days. Daniel did as he did a four time. He went and prayed three times a day. That was Daniel's purpose and it started here. He had chosen not to be a part of the world system but a part of the heavenly kingdom. It's a very powerful testimony for us. I'd like to read one more passage in Matthew chapter 24 and consider how it parallels Matthew 24, verse 45, these are the words of Jesus speaking about the end times. He had made reference to Daniel just prior in his his speech here and explaining to them what would happen at the end times. But then he says this as as an admonition and a teaching. He says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now several key phrases in this portion It says there that if he say, my Lord delays his coming, then he begins to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Now think of that back in Daniel's day where he was not going to defile himself with the king's meat, which is a parallel to much more than just meat but it had to do with living in pleasures and, and the lusts of the flesh. And here, if a person thinks or does not consider that the time of the Lord draws near, there is a tendency for them to begin to be occupied with things they ought not, fighting with their fellow servants, beating them, eat and drink with the drunken. A drunken person is one who indulges and it dulls his senses to what is around him. He can no longer make sound judgment or sound choices and he 
he will not do the will of his father or his master here. Daniel said he's not going to defile himself. He's not going to be eating and drinking with the drunken. He's not going to indulge in these things to the point where it it um, distracts him from that which is real and that which is necessary. And it says here that if this wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Now it seems this could perhaps be a leader or a teacher, but I think it applies to everyone. But when you consider what it means to give meat in due season, it has the idea of applying that which is necessary at the right time. And Daniel did that when he found himself in the king's house and faced there with being offered the king's meat and the wine. He thought back to Proverbs where it said, Consider diligently what is set before thee. So Daniel put some thought into what's really going on here. And where is this going to take me? He put some thought into it. He was like a wise steward or a servant who considered the household and giving them their meat in due season. What, what principles, what scriptures apply to my time and place in life? That's the thought here and the example that we have from Daniel. He didn't just brush it off. Well, here we are. Here's the stuff. Let's let's just take it in. Let's eat. Let's eat and drink. No, he was not going to eat and drink with the drunken, but he was going to consider carefully where this takes him What and how does this scripture apply today to me, to my situation? Will I walk with God or won't I? We can all be like Daniel today. You know that song many of us have learned from our youth, Dare to be like Daniel, Dare to stand alone, Dare to have a purpose true. Dare to make it known. May we be like Daniel. Lord bless you.